them on Facebook for interviews and more. The Morning Drive on News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here. And joining us online now is former Burlington City Councilor Rachel Siegel. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning, Anthony. Good morning, Kurt. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for being on. So uh, we wanted to talk to you, uh, and we will be uh, reaching out uh, to uh, current city councilors to talk about uh, probably Milo Grant, Soraya Hightower, hopefully. Uh, mm-hmm. To get them on, we want to talk about. Uh, we know that you were at the city council meeting and you were part of the group that was there uh, to support Taisha Green, uh, who were upset of, and spoke in public forum and were upset about the mayor calling for this financial review. Um, so, get we'd like to get your perspective to start out with is what was your problem with the mayor calling for this review? Yeah. So let let me just state that I was there. I, I do support Taisha Green, um, but I was really there more to say um, this whole experience of the review and the response to review and the amount of hours and labor and heart that have gone into all of this is time and energy that could have gone into dealing with the situations that this city really needs to deal with and that the the reason that I can see, the only reason that I can see for the administration to call for this report is the result of bias. Given that there have been, I can rattle off seven other incidents that did not receive the same treatment as this. So yes, I'm support of Ms. Green, um, but also that's not the most relevant part to me right now. The most relevant part is his inconsistency and the fact that the inconsistency leads to an inability to put precious resources being people's time and energy because we need a community response to deal with homelessness, mental health issues, poverty, opioid use. I mean, if there's a single person in this city who hasn't been impacted directly or indirectly by these things, I will be really surprised. But so that's where we need to be. And it the, seems the findings like- and the findings and conclusions and recommendations were for what the city needed to do, which is exactly the same as what came out of the Minneapolis report. Um, these reports. But, Rachel, in, in light of what had come out of Minneapolis, the fact that they were doing an audit there, and uh, wouldn't it have been almost, um, I mean, as a taxpayer, citizen of Burlington, a taxpayer, former city councilor, but mainly a taxpayer now, I would have wanted to know to make sure that the dollars were properly spent in Burlington as it was being under question in Minneapolis. I think it would have been, I would have been actually mad at the mayor and the administration if they hadn't taken a look at this. Why do you think it's it, that they shouldn't have taken a look at this? It's less that they shouldn't have looked at this and more that it's inconsistent. So, okay, okay so, actually, can you, uh, can you talk about the inconsistency that, that um, I'm curious yeah. list the ones that you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they aren't apples for apples, but they are situations that are deeply upsetting that did not receive public scrutiny. Peter Owens, our former director of CEDO, who was in charge of housing policy, including affordable housing policy, left his job early um, to move back to San Francisco, and he had been trying, and this became quite public, um, to evict a woman who initially was 99 years old, 
And when that became public, this black woman, 99 years old, who he had told she could live in the apartment he was that he was renting to her until the end of her life. He had made this agreement with her. He decided to evict her because when he went back to California, he wanted to move into that place. And this is all this is all documented. So he ends up leaving early because that controversy becomes public and it's going to impact his time in Burlington. So he leaves early. He continues with the eviction. A judge throws the case out. It, city council is up, you know, members of their, what is it, the board of supervisors is what they call the equivalent of our city council are very upset. He ends up, while this woman is in the hospital, hiring people to go in and physically remove all of her belongings, including medications, including, you know, art that her deceased husband had made, identification cards, and refused to tell her family members where those things were stored and moved into the apartment. Okay, so here's a man, like, why not go back and look at what he had done? Well. I, I don't disagree. I mean, that's that's outrageous, and I don't disagree with it's you. It's outrageous. But, so but then I think, we have the tip on it. Okay. Right? But, but wait, let's, but, well, before you go to that one, though, Rachel, as you said, mm. these are all different cases. I mean, the the city's this is not a case where the city needs to do a financial, necessarily a financial review of his department because of this awful incident that he had. It's a little different. Why not? He, I mean, this is like he had... He had a financial stake in that. What else did he have a financial stake in that? But and but it, here, as far you know, as we don't we don't even know. Okay. I also want to point out that they didn't actually do an audit, and neither Minneapolis nor Burlington. Nobody did an audit. They did a review, which is a different thing. And they're a financial review, right? Explicit, right. explicit at the top, and everyone is not everyone. Many people are misnaming this as an audit, which did not happen, and the review findings said that she didn't do anything wrong. And you'd have, you'd have been some, okay if, if you'd rather have had an audit? No. I I would rather that he be consistent in his right. treatment, especially okay. his public treatment of people. I mean, I also understand that behind the scenes there was a lot of behavior that was very hurtful and harmful, um, and not just to an individual, but to our community, because when one person is diminished, we're all diminished. But you think that, I mean, Taisha Green came out and called him, I mean, let's put aside these other things for just a minute and talk about this one specifically. You think that the mayor who has adopted two minority kids, that he is what Taisha Green called, that he's doing it because he's a white supremacist? So I have a few responses to that. She didn't call him a white supremacist. She said that he was um, allowing white supremacist culture in our city, which I don't disagree with. I also don't agree with the term minority. You know, the folks of color are the majority in this world, and to call them minority positions them against white people as if we're the center in this country. And our country is about to be what they're calling a majority-minority country, which is like a ridiculous contradiction <laughs> and just points out the fact that minority is the wrong word to use. And it I'm with you. I'm with you on that. So, yeah, the fact that he has adopted two kids of color does not excuse him in any way from from perpetuating systems of harm. We're swimming in these systems, and as white people, when we're not actively excavating the prejudices that we are all fed and that we all have implicitly and we're in a position of power, which he certainly is, we are perpetuating racism, whether or not we are a good person. Racism is not about being a good or bad person. In my use of that word, in my understanding of that word, sure, there are individual racists, but the problem is 
so much deeper than that. There are so, systems all over the place that are that are allowing misbehavior sometimes under you know dog whistles sometimes because it's unconscious. Well, I, I and he doesn't get a pass, and he knows that. I will also say though that on the terms of adoption, you know, this goes way back, and and maybe it's petty, but I still I still feel really upset by this. When you and I were on council, Kurt, um, the city worked on the first diversity and equity plan. And when it was finalized, um, you remember that there was then, like now, a majority Democratic counselors. And and most of them voted um, in alignment with the mayor most of the time. So he was able generally to get his agenda through, right? Do you, do you agree with that summation? That he was able to get his agenda through most of the time? Yeah. I'm uh, sure. Yeah. So he didn't want to adopt this. He did not want to adopt. He refused. And in fact, we didn't adopt the diversity and equity plan. He was willing to accept it. And in a private conversation with me, you know, when I said we've adopted all these other plans, we've adopted the climate change plan and the great streets plan and da da da. And he, he said, well, I, he was only willing to accept the plan. And he thought that the words were equivalent enough. He didn't want to be beholden to it because he thought if we didn't achieve the milestones, he would come under scrutiny. Now, have we, you know, have we achieved the milestones of any of these other plans? No. He's but, afraid of coming under scrutiny for things that are related to diversity and equity, but if he's, not these other but if things. He's, but and Rachel, I but, said to no. him, so if these terms, accept and adopt, are the same, why don't you just accept your kids? So can we, I want to talk a little <laughs> you know, bit about... Like, they're I wanna, different well, words. No, i gotta, I got to oh, yeah. stay with this for just a minute, though, because, uh, Rachel, if you're going to criticize him about this, I mean, he he declared a, a state of emergency on race in Burlington, he created mm-hmm. the equity office. He allowed mm-hmm. it to grow to 15 employees more than any other. Mm-hmm. Uh, n- n- the state of Vermont has an equity director with two or three employees. Uh, but now he's being criticized for not doing enough? Yeah. He has a big platform. That was a great move, but I don't see him backing it up. And this is a What more does he need to do? I know that when Taisha left, it was reported in, Burlington, in the Burlington Free Press that asked for more that that went and got a FOIA request for emails between the mayor's office and Taisha, that that they wanted in the equity office between one and two million dollars more of taxpayer funds for the funds for the office, despite already having fifteen employees. I don't care if it's black or white. As a taxpayer, it's expensive living in Burlington. I'd be concerned about that. It is really expensive, and and I would look at the budget of the police department that is the biggest budget by far of the city, and I'm not great at rattling off numbers, and I don't have the budget in front of me, but maybe you do. Can you tell me the police department budget compared to any other budget? Well, I hope the police budget is adequate to take care of public safety. It's, 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 I do, too, it's, although I don't think it went down by 40%. Are, well, it didn't go down by 40%. That's yes, it did. actually a complete. No, they passed a resolution that said it could, you know, that the workforce could, through attrition, go down. Now, attrition was already going down before any of that happened. Seven days reported in March of 2020, 
an article about the fact that five people had left, that the morale on the police department was down before the civil uprisings that followed all the brutal murders in 2020. In but Rachel, when, okay, to talk about that so for a minute, yes, when, I, when I but, but Rachel, wait, hold on, hold, hold on, Rachel. We need public safety but, funded, and I don't think that the police and, and criminalizing what's going on in the city keeps us safe. That, you know, I had my house broken into, right? There are, there are people who are desperate. There are people who are mentally ill. There are people who are suffering under poverty. These are the things that we need to address to create public safety. We need education. We need health care. We need housing. That's going to give us public safety. And people in guns and, you know, bulletproof vests aren't providing that. Rachel, uh, when the when this city council passes a resolution... We know there's attrition. There's always attrition going on. But when the city council accompanies that by saying, and by the way, while this attrition is happening, you can't hire anybody, that led to a significant decrease in police officers. There's no question about it. Progressives can't get around that. Now, Rachel, I want to ask you about the incident. Oh, I, di- I disagree. I just disagree. Okay. Well, you can, but but that's not that's I'm not sure that's going to be a winning. I, that right. is not even what I'm here to talk. About. Right. That, so let's get, let's get back. Let's get back. Well, we needed to talk about that for a minute, though. Um, the, but well, because I, I, you were talking about her budget, and, right. and I wasn't trying to talk about police. I was trying to talk about, not her, sorry, the budget of that department. I, I was just trying to put it in comparison to what other budgets are. And if, if it's a public health emergency, then it, that is a public safety issue. Now, we've got some calls, uh, but before we get to the calls, I want to ask you, though, also there was an incident at the city council where a gentleman was speaking in public forum. Mm-hmm. And uh, started to speak, and you went over and basically mm-hmm. covered up the microphone. It led mm-hmm. to the gentleman uh, going into kind of a, a rage after you did mm-hmm. that and mm-hmm. created a, a lot of chaos at the city council meeting, it seemed like. Yeah. What yeah. Uh, was it? Do you think it was okay for you as a person sitting in the public audience, not the president of the council or council or whatever, but to go up and grab someone's microphone and cover it up? Why did you do that? And did you think it was okay? No, I well, I, I mean, I've thought about that a lot since it happened, and and I don't believe in in accordance with his um, right to free speech that what I did was okay, but I do think that in accordance with my moral belief in being an accomplice to black folks and other people of color, that it was the right thing to do, because I could see other people in the room getting ready to jump up, and I could see Murad with his hand on his side, and I was terrified. And I thought, I will do whatever it takes to not let this turn into a situation where a black person is harmed by the police in our city. So, so this man's words were going to prompt Chief Murad to use his firearm? If somebody else responded to him who looked different than I did and had less privilege than I have. So you felt it was, it was more important to squelch that man's speech because you perceived that that would break into chaos? It already was chaos, Kurt. Have you... Sorry, I don't. I'm not in the room with Anthony and Kurt. For anyone who's listening, it's okay. And, and that, <laughs> happens, that was Anthony. That was Anthony. Voices. It happens all okay, the time. Anthony, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no worries. Um, I just I want to know where your mindset the, was. The room was yeah. chaos. If anyone wants to review that, the oh, room no. was chaos. That was not a room that was under control by any means. And you know whether that's appropriate or not is why, a question. Why of, do you think it was out of control even before he spoke? You said it was in chaos already. Why do you think that is? No, I was saying it was in chaos before That's I right. um, stood up. Why do you think um, it was in chaos it, before? When he, sp- he w- what I was referring to there was that when he was speaking and he was saying anti-black statements, 
the room was outraged and, and had a very clear vocal, energetic, physical response. And anybody who watches it can see that. And it was very clear to me that as a white person, I needed to take an action. But what, is, what, if, what if somebody in the crowd that was there to support Taisha, what if somebody had objected to what they said, you know, calling the mayor a white supremacist and racist and all those terms? And what if somebody had got up and said, I'm really offended by that and I'm ready to, and they went up and said, I'm going to take the microphone away from this person. I mean, you could, this is really a slippery slope when you start down there, isn't it? It really is. And that's why I say I don't think in accordance with his free speech what I did was right. I think what I did was right because of a more higher moral calling than the law. And that is, in fact, how things change, you know. And if if council president doesn't have the the power to stop somebody who's speaking out in anti-blackness in a situation that's highly charged, where there's people talking about the harm of anti-blackness, we have a you know we have a big problem. This is also a person who comes to every meeting and. And often talks um, in very offensive terms about all sorts of things. And and he has, you know, according to our rules and laws, he has the right to do that. But I I just I just really want to circle back to the fact that I the inconsistency in his behavior compared to what he did with Gene Richards, our airport director situation, with the. Um, well, that's what I want to talk Burlington about. The police department that we appointed a mayor who's. Still, I mean, sorry, appointed a police chief who's still under investigation. Can you imagine? He's under active investigation, and we appointed him. He's under investigation for threatening a doctor who was trying to provide medical care for a teenager who was shot by a gun. The hospital said, said, Rachel, that they were totally satisfied with the city's response to that. Do you think that they really had liberty to say much else when they're reliant on the police? Well, so, and the, there's a debate. There's the debate to be had there because his actions. I mean, the, the counter argument is that his actions you know. could likely have what, saved what the, what the next life. The, you know, the other thing that had happened right before that was that it was revealed that police officers refused calls for service and then engaged in a lucrative private contract. And in response to that, the the city of Burlington's administration asked the chief if there were other problematic contracts and they accepted a professed willingness to do things differently. So that happened and the incident at the hospital and then he was appointed. So how is that being scrutinized? And what about the TIF audit, which said all the same things really as the review said about city, city um, culture, that this is a citywide issue of mismanagement, of staff turnover, of an inability to do things in a way that's trackable. I talked with I the mayor. I, talk, I, I mean, what Rachel. I read in the review, she, she did. There were things in that department that that I don't think are great. No, I think there should be a clear budget laid out for the board of finance. The board of finance didn't even ask for it. Come on, give no, me a break. Well, Why that, is she being well, held to account when also she wasn't even here in the well, end? Well, oh, but but Rachel, hold on. Rachel, she, hold on. Hold on. Just a second. A no, Rachel. true review would have interviewed more people than they did. But so this you're was, wait. So you're upset. They the, were trying I, to make her look bad. Rachel, I agree with with you that the board of finance and the city council should have been asking questions before this. But it sounds like what you're saying now is they should have asked questions before. But wouldn't they have got hit with the same responses? Why are you asking questions of a black woman and not somebody else? 
do you think that jo- Joan Shannon was bas- basically accused of lying by another city councilor in her WCX interview where she basically said that? She said, if uh, we'd asked questions, which we should have, this is what all counselors were afraid of they would have got for reaction. Do you? Well, then be afraid and make a mistake. That's what we're going to have to do. Well, those of us who didn't, you know, grow up. Do you think that Joan was lying as 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 Councilor Ryan Hightower charged at the council meeting in in her CAX interview? Specific thing because I I don't remember the CAX interview well enough to speak to that. But I also want to talk about the cost of racism, like the Melly settlement that just came out five hundred thousand dollars for our insurance plus $250,000 from a special fund, which is taxpayer dollars. So we just spent $750,000 dealing with a situation to keep it out of court because it would have been worse if it had gone to court because of the, you know, the illegal actions, basically, of a city employee, city employees. And that's been brushed over. Like, why, why, isn't, why aren't they Ra- being more scrutinized? Rachel, we got a, we've got a lot of people calling, and we need to at least get okay. one call in before you go. Uh, okay. All right, let's uh, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Uh, yes. Good morning, R- Rachel. Uh, a-, a couple of things. Uh, first and foremost, I you had given a prepared statement during public forum, and there were uh, points that you brought up during that statement that I greatly appreciated. I appreciate elements of your argument about consistency within the administration, uh, highlighting Mr. Richards uh, from the airport, also highlighting the TIF. Um, Those are good arguments. Now, from there, I have to say I, too, am incredibly disappointed that you um, walked up and and took the microphone from that gentleman. You are correct. Uh, The individual has a history of being provocative and potentially problematic, but um, you should have known better. Uh, I respect the fact that you recognize that um, you trampled his rights. Uh, what I find more offensive is that there are three active lawyers on city council that didn't take a moment to actually stand up for the First Amendment, and a city attorney present also who refused to do it. And you know, yeah. if they did it because they were, if they didn't say anything because they were scared, I agree with another point that you made, Ben. They should be scared and stand up and do it anyway. So, um, positive, negative, yeah, I think positive. We, we so thank sometimes you, have to. We sometimes have to take the moral high road instead of the legal road, and that that is how things. That was the Boston Tea Party. Come on, that is what our country is founded on. Rachel, I want to. Someone just texted me this, and so I want to make sure to just go back and clarify to make to. You said that the chief mayor, you were concerned because the chief was standing there with his hand on his hip. Are you suggesting that he was about to? use a firearm at the city council meeting? I don't know if he was going to. I was scared he was going to. You are, are suggesting that maybe he was ready to shoot someone? I'm suggesting that I was scared, yeah. So in hindsight, you think you, you stand by that you went and, and took the microphone? Or I was acting as an accomplice. I was putting myself in... God, I'm trying to not use violent language. The, the phrase that comes to mind is the line of fire. I was trying to put myself in harm's way. So that other people more vulnerable than I am didn't have to. And that's what, you know, that's the step beyond being an ally. An ally reads a lot of books and, and has the right ideas and accomplished steps up, an accomplice. And, and that's what I believe in. And honestly, it was, an un, it was almost unconscious. It was like I was sitting there terrified. My heart was racing. And I just felt like, you know, 
I wanted to be there talking about bias and how to get back on track with the city's needs to be dealing with mental health issues, homelessness, poverty, opioid use, these things that impact every single one of us. And clearly we were off, you know, it was just, we were way far from that. And I could see it continuing to escalate into something more problematic. So I took an action and I do stand by it, even though it feels fraught. And, and uh, it was it was complicated in the end don't in it. the end don't you think it was important for the city council to have actually discussed what was in that financial review where they they literally never discussed it and they, they felt like was, they couldn't yeah. discuss it because uh, because of I don't know uh, why the re- they didn't so you would you would have welcomed them discussing what was in the report I would have welcomed the mayor being consistent in his treatment of Del Pozo, our Parks and Rec director, Jane Richards, the TIF audit, Kyle Dodson's plagiarized report, Peter Owens, as I mentioned. I would appreciate his consistency in taking people to public tasks. I mean, Gene, Gene Richards, Gene I Richards mean, he, was fired. He was fired, but was the, was the department reviewed? I mean, and the mayor's told me that the TIF issue was thoroughly investigated. Yeah, and we paid... You know, we have mismanaged millions of dollars, which the mayor says, oh, don't worry, we have this extra 10% in our budget, and it didn't even go over that. Well, who's paying that? Where does that 10% come from? That's taxpayer dollars that could have gone to something else. Uh That's huge. That's huge. That's so much more than what we found here. Well, what we found here was like, was what? That You know, if we look at the actual recommendations, of both Minneapolis's review and the review that the lawyers did for the city of Burlington, the finding says right here, we found no evidence of embezzlement or theft, nor could we conclude that fraud had been committed. But they However, did, there but does they... appear to be mismanagement or carelessness. And then they go on to say that this mismanagement and carelessness needs to be addressed through all these changes in city policy right. because it's happening everywhere. And we see that also in what Doug Hoffer says about the audit. There's like almost and we've Rachel, we've, Rachel, we've got to let you go. Rachel, sloppy record. Rachel, Rachel, hold yeah. on. We've got to let you go in just a second. I will just point out though that in the Minneapolis issue, uh, they had some. They didn't say there was fraud, but they said there was mismanagement. That the the event went way over cost, and there were problems. Mm-hmm. And that Taisha Green, when these problems surfaced, she called one of the city councilors, a black city councilor, a a racist. So it seems to be it seems to be the modus operandi. As if there's any questions yeah, well, here. Well, before I mean, Minneapolis is under um, uh, what is it called decree? You know, and like I don't know that we want to be looking to them as a role model. Plus, look at the person who was only there for a year before Ms. Green in the same role. They also left feeling completely unsupported by the city. So oh. I, I'm, you know. Okay, sure. Rachel, thanks for being on the Morning Thank Drive you. today. We appreciate your perspective. Whether we agree with it or not, we appreciate it. And uh, Yeah, thanks for letting me have the time, and I look forward to hearing you talk to some of the other people, and in particular black women who are most impacted They will be it. invited for sure. Definitely. Thanks. Thank you very right. much for taking time with us today, Rachel. We appreciate it. Yeah, uh, it yeah. goes fast. Thank obviously, you. Obviously, I have big feelings about Yeah, it. well, you want to know people's <laughs> perspective, and I appreciate you taking the time yeah. to have a conversation with us. Right. It's important. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, check in with ABC News, and then we're going to have another really interesting conversation with uh, Terry. Uh, how do you say his last name? Baricious? Baricious. Baricious.